Welcome to Breitbart News Daily. What a show today. Goodness. So we spent the, the if you subscribe to SiriusXM, you can hear the whole thing. Uh, the first hour we talked about illegal immigrants in the military. Didn't intend to spend an hour on it, but we had incredible phone calls from recruiters and people in the military, like fourth, fifth generation people in the military. So it was an awesome conversation. Uh, then we talked about Fonnie Willis and the latest with that. And it's I'm only interested in this just because this is the RICO case in Georgia. I'm only interested in it because this was supposed to be the one that was going to take down Donald Trump. And instead, it's just crumbling before our eyes because of, of their own wickedness. <laughs> so it's just, it's just great to watch and laugh at. Uh, but then we got into a conversation about Christian nationalism. And, and it, oh, you... Oh, you're one of these terrorists, don't you know? Because you believe, as our founding fathers did in the second... What's, what's your proof our founding fathers believe this? Uh, it's in the second sentence of the Declaration of Independence, the founding... Uh, you're, you're a nationalist if you think rights come from God. So says Politico and MSNBC. Here's our conversation about that. Adam Rubenstein wrote an article called I Was a Heretic at the New York Times. It's very funny, and there's lots of, uh, of good anecdotes in it. Uh, so this guy, we'll go over more tomorrow, but I just want to share this one. So he uh, hired by the New York Times, the opinion section, in 2019. And uh, he, like, this was the, the New York Times effort to hire some, some people right to the right of the, of the political spectrum. I were very diverse ideologically. So they hired this guy I've never heard of, Adam Rubenstein. And uh, he was the guy who would have some uh, very unwelcome questions in the newsroom. Like, is the Hunter Biden laptop story unsubstantiated? Like we keep saying over and over. Uh, he had stories of colleagues come saying, the state of Israel makes me very uncomfortable. Not the state of it as in like the condition of it, but the fact that it exists. Makes me very uncomfortable. Uh, he went. He told a great story, uh, which is one of the the, the worst stories. That, well, I shouldn't say the worst. New York Times has a horrific history of of excusing genocide and war and lying and all. But but one of the more bad recent ones is that Tom Cotton editorial. Remember that? It was in the middle of the George Floyd riots, and Tom Cotton, a sitting U.S. senator, wrote an op-ed that Trump should call in the military to stop the rioting. And the young people at the New York Times, the young lefties, just flipped out and like, like got a bunch of people fired. So we don't need to go over that again. Uh, but I love this story. He said, on one of my first days at the New York Times, I went to an orientation with more than a dozen other new hires. And we had to do an icebreaker. Pick a starburst out of a jar and then answer a question. I hate these, by the way. <laughs> Don't care much for icebreakers maybe this game's a little better than tell us about yourself that's the worst or tell us three things about yourself i'm just incapable of doing that uh anyway he picked a starburst he said my starburst was pink i believe so i had to answer the pink prompt which had me respond with my favorite sandwich there he goes very elaborate very elaborate to do to get to the question of what is your favorite sandwich russ and daughter's super heapster came to mind but I figured mentioning a $19 sandwich wasn't a great way to win new friends. I've never, what is, a, what is Russ and Daughters? It must be a New York City thing. I don't know. So instead I blurted out the spicy chicken sandwich from Chick-fil-A and considered the ice broken. <laughs> it's great. Spicy chicken sandwich from Chick-fil-A. Going to have one of those tomorrow. Got a busy day tomorrow with uh, sports and all the rest. So we're doing Chick-fil-A tomorrow. The HR representative leading the orientation chided me oh we don't do that here they hate gay people people started snapping their fingers in acclamation i hadn't been thinking about the fact that chick-fil-a was transgressive in liberal circles for its chairman's opposition to gay marriage not not the politics the chicken i quickly said but it was too late i sat down ashamed <laughs> i just see this like this feet like he's probably gonna stand up and say Hey, my um, my favorite sandwich is the the spicy chicken sandwich from Chick Fil A. Oh, oh, no, we don't do that here. They hate the gays, and they just like like bum, bum, blasted with 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 n clicking. 
when I'm snapping all over. Like, oh no, the politics, the politics, not the chicken. I mean, the chicken. No, I don't like. No, it's a great story. What's your favorite sandwich? Spicy Chick Fil A. Spicy chicken sandwich from Chick Fil A. Wrong. <laughs> Sit down. Sit down, you monster. Sandwich shaming. It's horrible. Especially to the Lord's sandwich. Of course, they have a problem with the Lord's sandwich. Now, this is a uh, silly story. No, I mean, it's a real story with real ramifications about office culture, what you're allowed to say, what you're allowed to like or not like. It's very revealing about the complete ideological takeover of every institution in America, including the military, which is what we talked about in the entire first hour of the show. So it's not, this story's not nothing. It's about the complete ideological takeover of the most popular newspaper in, in America, the New York Times, uh, that you, you, de- you can't even like certain sandwiches. So it's not nothing, but this is a worse example here. Politico, Politico, um, you know, Politico is very, like, very influential among the, among the Beltway, the Beltway types. And uh, one of their reporters is all up in arms about the rise of Christian nationalism, which I guess Chick-fil-A is the official sandwich of Christian nationalists. I don't, I don't know. This Christian nationalism thing is hilarious to me. I've never been a part of a group that I never even heard of before. But somehow, as a Christian who also loves America, that makes me a Christian nationalist. And I guess a terrorist at the same time. I'm a major, it's me and Bin Laden and you. We're all in the same group here. I guess he's in the bottom of the ocean, but you know what I mean. So here's a reporter from Politico on MSNBC. And you can see if you're also, you might also be a Christian nationalist. And not even know it. Do we like meet somewhere other than Sundays? Like, is there anywhere else we go? Like bumpers? Do I get anything? Do I get a bumper sticker? Like on the back of my computer here, I got a, I got a Breitbart bumper sticker. That's cool. There's a Breitbart store. You can buy, you can buy Breitbart gear. Can I buy Christian nationalist stuff? I don't know. I mean, if I'm in a group, I want something out of it. So someone cut her comments on, on MSNBC. And it's, it was like, a, like 30 seconds. And they posted it. And she got all upset. She said, oh, why don't you play my full comments? Play the full version and not, and not take it out of context. So uh, the full version is no better for her, by the way. It's like definitely worse, actually. But here, here's the full version of her on MSNBC. I've talked with a lot of experts on this, and I've seen it myself. Experts. Okay, we'll stop. <laughs> Who have you talking to? Who have you talked talking? Who have you talked to? Talking. Have <laughs> I ever said the word talk? What was I trying to say? Talking. What two words is I trying to combine with talk? Who have you talked to who are experts on Christian? Have you talked to a Christian? I've talked with a lot of experts on this, and I've seen it myself with my reporting, Michael, which is that the base of the Republican Party has shifted, right? Remember when mm-hmm. Trump ran in 2016, a lot of the mainline evangelicals wanted mm-hmm. nothing to do with the divorced, uh, you know, real estate mogul who right. had cheated on his wife and with a porn star and all of that, right? So what happened was he was surrounded by this more extremist element. Okay, hold on now. Extremist. What is that? Is that, a, is that a thing? What is extreme? Is that, like, is that, is that a way you can pronounce the word extremist? Is this, uh, is this like the uppity Manhattan way? <laughs> like leisure and leisure or something? Is this what we're doing? Extremist? <laughs> what is that? I can't, I can't handle that. Extremist. He was surrounded by this more extremist element you're gonna hear words like is anyone listening now they're like no no that's how you pronounce it later in uh in minnesota that's how you pronounce it like someone please tell me that she is from the midwest or something and that's how you pronounce it in the midwest like soda or pop or whatever oh no soda we actually say extremist you're the one who says it weird like christian nationalism like the new apostolic reformation these are groups that you should get very 
uh, very schooled on because they yeah. have a lot of power in Trump's circle. And the one thing that unites all of them, because there's many different groups orbiting Trump, but the thing that we're not... Okay, here we go. So this is where you this is you decide right now. You don't decide. She decides for you if you are a Christian nationalist. This is the thing that unites all of us. Here it is. Unites them as Christian nationalists, not Christians, by the way, because Christian nationalists is very different, mm -hmm. is that they believe that our rights as Americans, as all human beings, don't come from any earthly authority. They don't come from Congress. They don't come from the Supreme Court. They come from God. The problem with that. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, now, listen, you may be saying uh, Slater. Here, here goes another Slater Bible thumping segment. Not Bible thumping here. This would be Declaration of Independence thumping here. You are a Christian nationalist. If you believe your rights come from God, that is what makes you a Christian. And not from some government, not from the Supreme Court, not from Congress, which I assume she thinks they do come from. I, th I think that's her point. Her point is they actually, don't you know they actually come from Congress? She, so you're you're a terrorist. If you're a Christian nationalist, if you think you, your rights come from God, okay, I'll quote the Declaration of Independence, second segment, second sentence. We hold these truths to be self-evident. Apparently, they're not self-evident. They're not that self-evident anymore. That all men are created equal. They're endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights. Among these, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. So according to the founding document of our, of our country, your rights indeed do come from God. And our founders thought it was self-evident, lady. Now, quick note on this. Uh, Thomas Jefferson, who was 33 years old at the time he wrote this, by the way. There were a couple of like, depressing moments of age in my life. One of them was when all the college football players were uh, younger than me. I was like, oh, that's weird. Uh, then all the pro athletes were younger than me. Uh, and when Thomas Jefferson was younger than me, it's like, wait, what? I've achieved nothing in my life. His original line was, we hold these truths to be sacred and undeniable that all men are created equal and endowed by their creator of certain unalienable rights. That's, how, that's the original line. And then he handed it to Ben, handed it to, to Mr. Franklin. And Ben said, ma'am, I don't think we need to appeal to God twice in the same sentence. That's redundant. So let's take out the sacred part and the undeniable, and let's just say it's self-evident because it's obvious, right? Now, what's interesting about this too is Ben Franklin took out the sacred and self-evident, sacred and undeniable, but he kept in the creator part. And we quoted Ben Franklin the other day about his views on religion. I think it was in the six o'clock hour. He kept the he kept the by our creator part. Could have taken that part out as well. This is the Virginia Declaration of Rights, also in the same year, 1776. Uh, the Virginia Declaration of Rights said all men are by nature equally free and independent and have certain inherent rights. Didn't mention creator. John Adams hit the Massachusetts Constitution, 1780. All men are born free and equal and have certain natural, essential, and unalienable rights. Now that's like their word of natural, like natural law, natural rights, like implies a creator, but they didn't explicitly say creator. But the 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence, none of them objected and said, mm, let's take out the word creator because, you know, rights really come from Congress or us. The rights really come from, no, no, they kept the word creator in there. They could have been more vague. They could have been more inclusive. But they were almost all devoutly Christian, Christian, uh, Christian nationalists, I guess. We're not going to do that here, but you can read the, read the writings of the signers of the Declaration. It's unbelievable. If you read some of the writings from the signers of the Declaration and you read them from the pulpit in most churches in America this Sunday, people in the pews would say, whoa, whoa, take it down a notch. That's a little too heavy-handed for me on a Sunday morning. <laughs> you would read the writings of our founding fathers and be like, wow, that, that's a lot. Anyway, so that's the short clip. Here, here's she goes on, right? Because she's like, hey, you're taking me out of context here. That they are determining man 
men, mm -hmm. it is yeah. men, yeah. are determining what God is telling them. And in the past, that so-called natural law is, you know, it's a pillar of Catholicism, for, mm -hmm. Catholicism, for instance. It's been used for good in social justice campaigns. Right. Martin Luther King evoked it in talking about civil rights. But now you have an extremist element oh, of conservative Christians who say that this applies specifically to issues including abortion, gay marriage, and it's going much further than that, as you see, for instance, with the ruling in Alabama right. this week, that judge is connected to that dominionist uh, faction mm -hmm. in, in talking about um, a lot of other issues, including surrogacy, IVF, uh, you know, sex education in schools. It, it, there's a lot in addition. And therein lies the rub, Dexter, because the men are the one who get to decide what God thinks and feels about the these issues, you know, surrogacy or IVF. Um, you, you report that. Right, stop there. By the way, that guy at the end there is Michael Steele. If you want to know why we have Donald Trump right now and why the Republican Party is in general a pile of, as Dr. Gorka would say, horse excrement, Mike, is Michael Steele was the head of the Republican National Committee for, <laughs> for a couple of years and now beloved over it. MSNBC. But did you catch that? So she she wiggles her way out of it by uh, of this uh, this little conundrum we have um, with our rights coming from God and all with this. But who gets to say what God says? Beautiful rhetorical trick from the left. Beautiful trick from the left. They do it all the time, all the time. It's the says who trick. Says who, and they can play this game forever. Um, who wrote about this? Uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, Francis, uh, no, not Francis, Ch Francis Schaefer. I was going to say Francis Chan. Francis Schaefer uh, writes about this a lot in, uh, in his books. Uh, it can be used in every context. It can be used politically, right? Like, hey, the border is way too open. Says who? It's like, uh, border patrol numbers? Oh, well, says who? And you're like, what? Like, the, the number, like, the number of people coming across our border is bad for America. Says who? Says who? Says who? Says who? You just do it on forever. Uh, and you do it forever until you get to the ultimate creator of everything, right? And that's Job 38, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, where God's like, who do you think you are? <laughs> where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? If you're looking for a Bible chapter to read, Job 38 is your, your one to read today and be in awe. And that's what our founders did. They, they said who? Like, well, where do your rights come from? Says who? Says who? Says who? Says who? And they went all the way back to the creator of the universe. And like, well, prove it. It's just self-evident. But the left hates this because the left, there's no such thing as truth at all. Everything's subjective. So the idea of A, a creator is like anathema. You can't have that. A creator who defines everything, like no bueno. And then to, to have that be so self-evidently true, like, no, that's just your experience or something. So that's what they did. That's what, oh, well, uh, this is what God says based off who, who says, whose interpretation, what white man interpreted what God said today. So that's how she wiggles her way out of it so what she's saying is when we interpret the will of the creator it's great but we won't let you interpret it when it comes to gay marriage or abortion <laughs> or sex ed in schools or all these other issues we're not going to let you allow we're not going to allow you to have your opinion on these issues informed by the bible that's christian nationalism we can, you can. So just to wrap this up, we'll take your calls here. So the idea that our, the idea that our rights come from God is nothing new. Like that's not some like newfangled right-wing think tank crazy idea like that the neo-Nazis came up with in Charlottesville or something. <laughs> like, like that's pretty much the, the founding of America. It's amazing that someone can grow up in America I assume she did. I don't know. She pronounces extremist weird, so maybe she grew up in some weird country. I don't know. But the fact that she could be in America and rise to a position of influence and not know this, our founders would consider this person an unserious person who doesn't deserve to have a say in anything. Like from, their, from, their, from our founders' perspective, she's illiterate. She's illiterate and has no, no role in our process of, of running a country here. You are an illiterate person. And then, of course, the point, if you want to take her idea and run with it and be the secu have, have Congress be the uh, guarantor 
of our rights. We would be in a dictatorship in, in what, 20 years? I don't know. One generation, it'd be over. listener Breitbart News Daily well I just gotta let the segment speak for itself Chelsea Hines is the mother of Maddie Hines who was killed by an illegal alien driver just back down in October and here she is sharing her story the number 18 million people coming in from places unknown we have no idea who they are but they are terrorists we're gonna have massive terrorism we're gonna have a big problem with terrorists we're gonna have a lot of problems we have to get the and especially the bad ones and remember what i said the local police force you have a great family right there the heinz family sitting in the front row they lost their daughter to an illegal alien that came in and we threw him out and he was gone and he came back in just came back in and he his their daughter was killed by an illegal immigrant that came in during the Biden administration. So sad. So I just don't see that much humor in what we're doing. America's the greatest country in the world. Good morning. Thanks for being here. Donald Trump there the other day in South Carolina pointed out in the front row the Hines family. And Chelsea Hines is with us right now, the mother of of three-year-old Maddie Hines. Chelsea, how are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad you're here and so grateful. Thank you for sharing the story of of your sweet little girl. I also want to say hi to South Carolina State Representative Stuart Jones, who's running for Congress in that uh, portion of South Carolina along the Georgia border, who happens also to be Maddie's godfather. Stuart, how you doing, brother? Hey, hey, good morning. Good morning. Good to be with you. Thanks for being here. Uh, Chelsea, Again, thank you for sharing your story. It's it's so important, and I'm so grateful. As difficult as I know it is, I can only imagine. Uh, I can't even imagine. Can you take us back to October 8th of last year? Um, yeah, so just a normal Sunday. Um, anyone who's getting used to going to church as a mom knows it's kind of crazy. Um, making sure everybody's getting dressed up and ready. Um, the, that day actually was our son's 18th birthday and we have three kids and our middle daughter, Kinsley, was getting baptized at church. So it was a day of celebration. Um, we, you know, it was very important. Her family was around us. They were all there supporting her, supporting our son. Um, and it was, it was just a day of, like I said, it was a day of celebration. So for us not to know what was to come, that was really hard. Um, I don't think anybody prepares you for tragedy. Um, we went to church. We had literally all of our family, our friends, everybody with us. Um, my father-in-law lives in Las Vegas. Um, he flew in for the weekend to be with us as well. Um, I think looking back, you can definitely see how God orchestrated things and had his hand in our situation. Um, a day filled with laughter and joy. And I know that's hard to say, um, we all went to our favorite place to eat, and after church, after everything was done, and we were celebrating. So my dad's birthday is in October. Carson, our son, his birthday was the eighth, and Madison's was the fourteenth. So we were all eating, having fun, um, singing happy birthday. They, they, Susan here. They put the sombrero on two of their heads because my dad was like don't tell him it's my birthday you know like <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to be acknowledged um so they put the sombrero on my son's head and maddie's and they were singing happy birthday to him and they put a little bit of um whipped cream on her face 
<laughs> and it just tells her personality. She was like super excited. And then when they did that, she like looked around and she was like, what did they do? <laughs> she took the sombrero hat off and flung it. But it just goes back to, you know, that was a fun day. It was full of laughter. It was full of um, many memories. Um, I think our, our, family get togethers are we always like to take photos so those are the last photos we have of of madison was that day um we didn't we didn't know what was to come so that was that was really hard um but later my mom came and picked me and the girls up and we were um driving to go we were bringing eggs to Stu and kelly and we were going to go visit my grandparents and um, do like a quick visit and um, an illegal was driving a vehicle and he ran a stop sign and hit us as we were coming down 76. Um, he hit on the same side as me and Maddie. And um, it's, you didn't realize what happened. Um, I was actually, not not a whole lot of people know, but I guess they will now, but I was actually um, turned around kind of. Um, Maddie had kicked my chair, and I turned around, and I said, hey, pumpkin pie, and she said, mama, I love you, and that's when the car hit us. Come on. So I feel like that was, that was God, and he was able to say, say, you're, say you love her one more time. It was a day, I was just, it was crazy. Um, I think in those moments after, you don't know what to expect, so you didn't know what was happening. Kind of like an out-of-body experience. Um, Just trying to focus on what's going on. I try to get her, you can't. Um, There's there's a lot of things, you know, there's an open investigation, so we can't go into too much detail about it, but um, it was just a really hard day. Three of us were airlifted to the hospital, and um, I spent three days in the trauma and ICU unit. And I will say, it's it was weird to feel God's presence and His peace during that time. It's the most unreal feeling, and I don't know how people go through tragedy and things without God's love and being able to feel his peace or his comfort. And people say that they say, Oh, you'll be able to feel God's comfort. God will comfort you. Um, and it's unreal until you actually feel it. Chelsea, you're amazing. Uh, thank you for sharing all of that. Um, wh- why, why are you not angry to God? What good does that do? Um, everybody has um, a word of the year, or a lot of people do. Let me say that. A lot of people have a word or they focus on, at, at a new year, they focus on health. They focus on um, a new job. They focus on something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the year before last, I was finally able to be a stay-at-home mom, and that's something that I have prayed for, I have wanted, um, and God blessed us with that. He He allowed that to happen, and <clears throat> my word last year, ironically, was joy, and I, it's kind of funny because, you know, you sit there and you say, well, how'd you find joy last year? Um, I... I felt my joy was in my kids and the things that we did. God allowed me to have eight months with Maddie completely alone. Um, You know, we would take the kids to school and I would come back and it would be me and her. And I can focus on how much this has stolen my joy. And I can sit back and I can allow myself to go to like those really dark, lonely places in a sense. Um, But what good would that do if I just focused on all my hurt and I put my energy on hate, um, that wouldn't, that wouldn't do anything. It would, it would render me useless 
it would render me useless as a mom. It would render me useless to my friends, to my family. And most importantly, it would render me useless to God. I mean, he would not be able to work through me. Um, and that's very important to make sure you stay focused. Um, does it mean it doesn't hurt? <laughs> no, it's every day. It's an everyday hurt. Um, my word this year is yield. And you're like, okay, Chelsea's playing in the street, signs, you know, yield. <laughs> um, but yield means to produce. It means to provide. Um, it also means, means to give way. So yield is my word this year. And it's because I'm stepping aside and I'm allowing the God to go first. And if, if we're honest, if I do things myself, <clears throat> anytime we try to do something on our own, it doesn't, it doesn't work. It fails. But by me putting God first, that's the only way I can guarantee it will be successful. Um, I have a group of really good friends, and they will ask, well, what's your joy today? And they want you to search for it. What is your joy? What do you get pleasure in throughout the day? Um, it could be a God wink. It could be a moment where you're like, hey, Maddie, I know you're there. Um, it can be random acts of kindness. Um, and I feel like if at first you sit back and you say, well, I don't know what my purpose is anymore. Um, my purpose was to stay at home and to be a stay-at-home mom. And what am I to do now? But all I have is this one purpose, right? Um, and you might have felt like other people that are listening, they might feel like their purpose is lost and like they have no clue what the next step is. How can they get out of this situation? Because believe me, I've been there and every single day I feel like I still walk in some of that disbelief. But I promise, like God made us anew and he's there with us every single day. Um, I've given my life to him. I am I'm saved. I'm a Christian. And I feel like he promises us that we have a purpose, that we, we are to complete if we yield to him. Um, it's not easy. Like I said, it's an everyday thing. Um, and sometimes we get in the way of our purpose or God's plan, and it takes longer. And you may end up where God wants you to be, um, but you've ended up there battered, and bruised along the way, but it doesn't mean he can't still use you. You know, like, I feel like, whew, last year I've been beat down, <laughs> but he he can still use me. And I think that's what kind of drives me, is to make sure that I am living up to his promises that he has for me. I will see her again. Um, and the Bible talks about in Ephesians 2, we are his workmanship. We're created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared ahead of us time for us to do. Now, that doesn't mean like good works gets us into heaven by no means. Personal relationship with Christ does, but it means that God has a plan for you. And when you focus more on what's my purpose, what's your plan for me, God gets to work and his glory gets to be done. And you see God working every day. Just want to take a pause here, and I just want to—I want everyone listening now to reflect that we are—we are witnessing a supernatural response to what one could consider the, the worst of tragedies. Because there's no way, there's no way, Chelsea, that you or I or anyone could respond to what happened the way you are right now if it were not a supernatural thing. That's it. There's no, no, no human could, could, uh, philosophize or rationalize their way to where you are right now. And that's a, that's a beautiful thing. I, uh, if you're just tuning in, Chelsea's, uh, sweet three-year-old daughter, Maddie was, uh, was killed by a, a driver, illegal alien driver, a drunk driver or no, or was that not? No. Yeah. So just went, but went through a stop sign. Just reckless. Yeah. And who, who's been deported already once came back. Uh, Chelsea, I, I just, I have to make note again of the things that happened that day. That's, that's an un, 
the the ups and downs of that day like like so we were at church last week and uh a uh younger boy was was baptized and it just made me super emotional it was like oh wow like as a dad who like that's my main purpose in life like that's to to, to make sure my kids love jesus like the idea that like maybe i could one day be baptizing my son like that was so like maybe super emotional so like, but like that's like the high that's like the greatest joy ever that day so you were at the highest of high with your yeah. daughter getting baptized it's like the greatest thing possible then the birthday's on top of that and the wonderful lunch on top like it's like all-time great day and to have this happen on the same day like i and and for that moment when you looked around and your daughter got to say i love you one more time like 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 clearly god is at play in here and that's so hard for most people to even fathom but like there's no question right no question. It's also not a question of who tries to steal our joy. So you gotta you gotta realize at the top, at our highs and our highs, we're gonna be there's gonna be things that come into play that kind of try to steal that joy from you. And where do you go from there? Are you are you are you gonna allow that joy to be completely taken? And remember this as a whore. Like we keep trying to tell our son Carson this was his 18th birthday. Like. Yeah. Next yeah. year on your birthday, we yeah. will celebrate your birthday. Like, wow. Uh, I just have two two quick questions about the crash, and then we can we'll move on. Did you see Maddie, or did you see anyone after, like, right after the crash, or were you out of it? Um out of it for a moment and then very present in, in what was taking place. Wow. Um, very present. Um, I knew um, immediately. So Maddie, Maddie didn't suffer, um, which I, I think I thank the Lord for. Um, but a helpless feeling. Yeah, sure. Yeah. A very helpless um there was a man there, um, Robin Thomason, and he he helped. Um, he's he is amazing. We still talk today, um, and he tried. He tried. I couldn't. I had um, severe injuries. Um, you know, I had multiple broken ribs, a punctured lung, and I had a lacerated liver, and trying to not realize and not know what my injuries were, but just in the moment trying to help and not being able to physically help and not knowing why. Um, It it was very, it was very hard, very hard situation. When you were airlifted to the hospital, when did they tell you about Maddie? Well, I knew, Mm. I knew while we were, before I was airlifted. Um, I knew before the EMS got there. Yeah. Um, but I still tried everything that I could. And Robin actually was with us as well. Um, and he tried. Um, and then the paramedic come back to me. And so I knew. Um, I knew. And then she told me, you know, we got to focus on you. And we got to figure out what's going on with you. And um, she prayed over me. Um, my best friend, Kelly, Sue's wife, um, they were there immediately. And, um, I just kept saying like, take, take Kinsley, take Kinsley. And she was like, we've, we've got to worry about you too. And so she, she sat down beside me and prayed over me while they were working on me. Um, surround yourself with amazing friends. That's one thing I can say, people who are there for you and will, um, pray over you and walk with you. Um, it's very important because things that you have going on in your life if you surround yourself with those type of people that pray for you um you know it's just an extra layer of security um if if satan can't get to me he can get to my friends just making sure that we pray for each other and love each other and love each other like maddie love like maddie i mean that's what that's what we're supposed to do Love like Jesus, but also be intentional. 
Chelsea, do you hate Gabriel Ortega? I don't think I have hate. Um, I do. I do feel like I haven't gotten to that. Like I'm. I'm in a. It's called grief share. I'm in a class that I take. Um, and I don't think I've gotten to the point in, in the trial or anything to process anger yet. If that makes sense, I have not gotten to a place where I have to um, be in front of that person. Um, so it might be different and it might look different. My grief might look different in a, when we get to that stage. Um, as far as right now, my focus is not on him. My focus yeah. is on making sure Maddie's memory lives. Yeah, good for you. Um, making sure that I honor God and what I say and what I do. Um, that's what I'm making sure of. Yeah, great. Um, tell us about lovelikemaddie.com. Um, <laughs> I'd be glad to. Um, so... Madison, let's just go back. Madison is pure joy, like very intentional. We've had numerous people come up and talk about her, her warm embrace. Like she would just hug you, love on you. And some people have told us like, I didn't even know who she was. And when I realized like this was your daughter, man, she would come up and give me a hug. And I would say, do you know me? And she would, no, you just needed a hug. <laughs> like um, she was funny and the type of funny that you're like drawn to. Um, she was labeled a princess, <laughs> like all little girls, but she was also the type of girl that would wear her, her princess dress down to the chicken coop to collect eggs. You know what I mean? Like, um, a good mixture of the a tomboy and princess. princess. Yes. Um, so I have a funny story real quick, if it's okay. Of course. Um, <laughs> so me and Kelly, Stu's, Stu's wife, um, used to do Bible studies together. So we would come over a couple of times a week and to Stuart's house and um, have a Bible study. And in the process, I'd bring Madison and she would play upstairs and play with the girls' things. And that day we, we came in and Stu was like, oh, my goodness, he was so excited. Oh, my goodness, I got something to show you. And Maddie in her little princess dress again um, was like, okay, and, went with him and we walked out on the patio and he's like, wait right here. He's so excited. Wait right here. Wait right here. And he walked into the garage and brought out a baby turtle, like maybe the size of a silver dollar, something like that. And, and she was so excited. Like, Oh my gosh, that's so cute. You know, like looked at it, laughed, giggled. And he was like, wait, I got something better. And so he walked back in and he come back out with a little bit bigger turtle. So she was kind of apprehensive and kind of like, uh, I don't know about this. Mm-hmm. And he was like, wait a minute, I got something, I got something better. <laughs> he, he walks back out and he goes back into the garage and I'm like looking at Kelly and she, she's laughing and she's like, we can go upstairs if you want. Like we, we And I'm like, no, let's see. And he brings another turtle and it's like, I guess it's a box turtle. It's a little bit bigger. And um, he brings it out and he's like showing Maddie and that. By this time, she's like, whoa, that's way too big. <laughs> she's looking at it. He's down on her level. And she goes, um, okay. <laughs> We're laughing. And he's like, yeah, this is the mom turtle. And as he's talking, um, the turtle starts to use the potty. And Maddie looks in disgust. I mean, she's like, oh, my gosh. And he said, oh, that's okay. It's, they just do this. And he, she's done. Don't worry about it. And Maddie's, like, staring at him like, you have got to be crazy. And he starts laughing, and Kelly's like, this is a princess. She doesn't want to see a turtle that uses the potty. (laughs) (laughs) And at that moment, the turtle starts to do it again, and we all die laughing, and Maddie's still looking, and she's like, that's disgusting. (laughs) And we just start laughing, and she was like, can I go play with Barbies now? And we were, yes, you know. But it, it was her. It was, you know, she was. I'm excited about it one minute, and the next minute she's like, "No, nah, I'm done." You know, she's got her standards. Like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love it. I love it. What um, is you're raising money at lovelikemaddie.com. What What's the money for? So, 
the main thing we're trying to just focus on um, with Love Like Maddie is making sure that we honor Maddie's spirit and the way that she spread love and joy and faith through through music. We want to spread that through service and community engagement. So right now, the main things we want to focus on are, you know, scholarships for seniors applying for college. Um, it would be the Love Like Maddie scholarship. We will be, um, it will be given to a graduate who demonstrates love daily. We want them to um, reach out and give just a short essay about their life, what it means to love like Maddie, what it means to them for their church to be involved in their life if they have one. Um, we're also wanting to pair and work with local churches to help plant seeds of salvation. So like funding church camps, mission trips, um, outreach opportunities that might not be possible, you know, without some financial help. Mm-hmm. A lot of kids want to go on trips and camps, but they can't because they don't have the means to. Um, I was one of those kids. I was saved on the church camp. And I just want to make sure that everybody has those opportunities. Maddie loved music. I mean, loved it. And so working with musical programs within schools, um, that way we can offer young talents the abilities to be successful. So, you know, some students rent their instruments. The instruments are very expensive. So we would like to work with different schools and provide a musical instrument to a student um, who may not be able to provide for themselves, like get their own instrument. Um, so getting into schools and helping to provide the necessary to- tools for those students to be successful is kind of one of our goals right now. So those are just a few of the things. Um, we That's just great. like this, like to imagine like a world where every student has the opportunity to pursue their dreams without hesitation, but also inspired by Maddie, you know, her love and her generosity to others. Um, and we would still want to make sure lives are transformed in a way that everyone feels God's love. So, I mean, that's, that's our main goal. Love that. Love like Maddie with D's, M-A-D-D-I-E. Love like Maddie, M-A-D-D-I-E dot com. And uh, just scroll right down and click donate now. Um, Chelsea, can you stick around? We take a quick break and uh, we'll bring in uh, Stuart here as well. Sorry, Stuart. <laughs> I got to be honest. I forgot you were here for a second. No, no offense, bro. <laughs> uh, but we'll bring in uh, Maddie's godfather, who also is uh, running for Congress as well, and we'll talk about we'll talk about the politics of this. You know, uh, uh, state rep, uh, we were t- or Tucker, not Tucker, um, Anderson Cooper, about the Georgia student, University of Georgia student, who was murdered by an illegal alien the other day. Uh, he's very upset that this this is being made political. We c- we can't make any political anything no no political conclusions about a thing that is directly tied to policy at all uh and i just completely reject that of course so let's take a quick break we'll reset and we'll reflect <laughs> let's reflect for a couple minutes on what you just heard we'll reset and, and get into the uh, dare we politics of it state rep Stuart jones running for congress in western south carolina as well happens to be the godfather and very close to the family Stuart, how you doing brother Hey, hey, doing well this morning, you know, and, and listening to Chelsea's testimony, I'll tell you, it really it highlights uh, what Isaiah, what it says in Isaiah about uh, turning beauty from ashes, you know, how we have beauty from ashes. And, you know, I mean, this has just been the most horrific situation, but I was blessed to know Maddie and to be her godfather. And, and as Chelsea mentioned, you know, we shared a love for turtles. Um, <laughs> she was a beautiful child of God. And um, so many people, that testimony that Chelsea just gave, so many people have been saved from Maddie's story. Um, they've come to Jesus through the story of what happened to Maddie. And um, I'll tell you, for being a little girl, um, for being three years old, she loved the Lord so much more so than so many adults ever ever come to know Jesus. And so uh, so that's an awesome story, and, and we're going to use it for, for good. Yeah, so That's right. Amen. Um, let's, uh, let's get to the politics of it. Um, what do we know about this guy and, and how he was deported and, and what laws were in place or not followed, et cetera, et cetera, that made, that, that made this happen? Yep. So, uh, this fellow was deported under president Trump's administration um, before he had committed a crime. 
Um, and then he came back into the country as Joe Biden's administration has um, start, you know, removed Trump's policies as they undid the policies that President Trump put in place. Um, that's what happened, you know. And under Biden's administration, I want to add that more illegals have entered our country than the entire state of pop, uh, the entire state population of South Carolina. So if you think about that, you know, it's something like over seven million illegals have entered our country um, under the Biden administration, and so that's more people than live in our entire state. You know, that's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Um, sorry. What, what the Chelsea, let me ask you this. Why did you go to the Donald Trump town hall in South Carolina? Yeah. Yeah. We actually, so I've been going around the state helping president Trump and speaking up for president Trump, um, you know, because he, his policies, I mean, he was going in the right direction. He was helping secure our border. Um, Biden, of course, has actively encouraged and enticed illegals to come into our country. They're giving illegals taxpayer dollars um, through multiple ways that they're doing that um, and has just completely, I mean, it's an invasion that's going on. So um, we stand with President Trump. I stand with President Trump. And um, we were able to uh, meet with him, you know, before the town hall and everything. And, and he truly cares. Um, we've got to get him back in the White House. So we're doing everything we can to help um, on that side of it. And, um, and he's highlighting, you know, these issues. He, he, he's meeting with families and people around this country who have lost their loved ones um, due to the Biden administration's policies. Uh, State Rep. Stuart Jones running for Congress, Stuart Jones. What do you make about Anderson Cooper saying that it's such a shame that we're making these things political? You know, I I would tell Anderson Cooper that, um, you know, when he's experienced what we've experienced and lost a loved one, lost a family member um, to these policies, they're forcing the policies onto us. They're forcing it to be political. And so they need to do the right thing. They need to put our country first and defend our border. Um, It drives me crazy that we're sending all this money around the world to other countries to secure their borders. But Biden has allowed our border to be wide open and has, you know, intentionally, his administration has intentionally done this. And I don't know what their end goal is if they're trying to flood the country um, to uh, for votes and so forth, you know, that there's some states that will give these illegals um, licenses. They will give them um, identification, and then they just go around the entire country. And so that's got to change. And, um, you know, I, Anderson Cooper lives in a bubble with Joe Biden. He, he's probably just like Joe Biden. They haven't pumped their own gas, I'm sure, in many, many decades. They don't go to the grocery store. They don't feel the effects of the policies that these people are having on everyday people. Yeah. Uh, Chelsea, did you get to meet Donald Trump in person? Yes, me and my family were invited <clears throat> Um to go and meet with Donald Trump. Um, say our to goal him? there, sir. What'd you say to him? Um, basically, our goal was to make sure that we spoke Maddie's name, um, and that's what I wanted him to know. That you know, the border is a real issue. Um, I told him Maddie was a beautiful child, and I feel sometimes like our country cares more about the border and um, letting people come in and not securing it than they do about the citizens that live here. And that's exactly what I told Donald Trump, Um, you know, and it could have been Donald Trump. It could have been Biden. It could have been anyone in politics. I will speak Maddie's name forever. So if anybody wanted to to invite me, I would have went and, and been glad to speak and tell what God's doing through through the foundation, um, in our lives. And that's basically what we told him, like, Hey, we're giving God the glory. Um, you know, and, and was able to really let him know where we stand about the border issue, how it's, it's a, it's a huge issue and it's impacting numerous people that, you know, obviously we have Stu, and this is getting a lot of light and, 
we're able to tell our story, but how many other people are not able to tell or share their story? Mm. They're not able to say, this happened to me, and this is what I feel. Like the news channels, nobody's picking it up except if, if it's a big to-do and it's blown up. Yeah. Um, I just feel really, and I told Donald Trump, I feel really sad for the people who are sitting back saying, why can't my story be shared? Yeah, yeah. What, what did he say or how did he respond to all that? Um, he talked about the border. He talked about how it's a very big issue and that's a top priority for him. Um, very, very um, concerned about the border um, and tried to make sure our mind was at ease. Yeah. Um, that, that, that was a top a top were, priority of did his. you talk to were you guys like in passing was it like a hustle bustle moment before a big thing or were you able to like actually like sit you felt like you kind of had like a you, you got you, you were able to say your piece oh yes so we were invited back <clears throat> and we had <clears throat> um his um team let us come back with with him um so we were in a room with it with you know like all of his team um, our family, and I'm saying our family, meaning, you know, Stu and Kelly, they're a big part of my family. <clears throat> my, my parents were there, um, my son, daughter, and me and my husband. Um, we got to hang out with him, um, talk with him. Completely different guy um, than you see. Um, me as a woman, I can say he was a completely different guy than what I've seen on TV. Um, he did tell us and kind of shared that he does have plans to secure the border, um, my daughter joked with him. Uh, he he acted. He mainly got down on her level um, and talked with her. As she joked and asked if he was going to eat those Oreos sitting on that counter over there, and he <laughs> said, "No, you can have them." <laughs> so um, wait, wait, did, wait. Sorry, she asked him or he asked her. Both oh, are funny. No, she said. She said <laughs> it would have been so much funnier the other way around. <laughs> um, no, she definitely said. Um, she said, "Hey, are you going to be the next president?" <laughs> And he gave her a fist bump, and he said, I hope so. And she said, hey, you going to eat those Oreos? Oh, two two <laughs> very laughed. important questions back very to back. Important. The hard-hitting questions. Right? <laughs> <laughs> the urgent and the immediate uh, immediacy of those questions is, uh, is, is oh, yeah. unrivaled. Uh, <laughs> what do you, Chelsea, what do you say to the family of Lakin Riley, the UGA student who, uh, that Lakin was killed by an illegal alien? Oh, I, that's one of the things that I have had in my prayer journal. I have a, I have a journal where I write my prayers, so I'm intentional with what I pray. And it also helps me to remember um, to go back and praise God for when he answers those prayers. Um, I know exactly where they are at um, from losing a child. I, I sympathize with them. I'm praying for them. Um and the only thing that I can do is just to make sure that they know, like, God is there with them and he can comfort them. Um, and that's, that's, that's the main thing is just letting, letting them know that his light is around them. It'd be wonderful if you guys could, could talk. If they... Oh, I would love it. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. one thing I have talked to Stu about is I would love to be able to talk with individuals who have experienced the same thing that I have and be able to share with them and grieve with them, um, hug and love on each other, you know, and, and let them know that I, I know exactly what they're experiencing. Yeah. Uh, um, Stuart, final thought on this whole situation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, number one, I think we've got to put Christ back at the center in our country. Um, nothing is going to happen. Nothing, we're not going to solve any of these problems until we do that, first and foremost. Um, secondly, um, you know, it, it's my goal to get in Congress and to help President Trump, to get President Trump back in there and to help him reinstate the policies that he had in place, secure our border and put America first once again. So, um, yeah, if anybody that wants to look at that information can go to secureourborder.us and um, and get my information on there. Who's the congressman right now in the 3rd District? Jeff Duncan? Uh, yes, yeah, he is not filing re-election, so he's uh, not r running for re-election. It says, it says on Wikipedia, the district was a Democratic stronghold. Is that true? 
a, a long time ago. Yeah, okay. it goes back to the old uh, oh, that's, Dixie yeah. Crats. The okay, old, yeah, yeah, no, that's that's a different deal then. Okay, all right, good. All right, well, let's get uh, let's get you in office as well. It's vote Stewart S T E W A R T vote Stewart Jones dot com. Uh, Stuart, great to talk to you. Chelsea, you're unbelievable, and I hope we can talk again. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you all so much. Thank you, brother. I'm American made. I got American parts. Peter Schweitzer is going to be on tomorrow's show. He has his new book, Blood Money. It's about China and fentanyl. Incredible. Number one on Amazon right now. He's at 8.30, and Marsha Blackburn will be here at 7.40 to talk about the impeachment of Mayorkas, what that trial would look like, and we got the State of the Union next Thursday, and uh, anything else happening in the news. And, of course, check out Breitbart.com all day long for the latest to stay updated. Mike Slater, Breitbart News Daily. See you tomorrow. Spread the word.